When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Cut to the Chase Bengals Blitz, where, you know, we're not too happy right now, but we're here. I'm your host, Chase Johns. To my right, I got my good friend from Running Through the Jungle, Justin Lacey. What's going on, Justin? Man, I'm doing good, man. Thanks so much for having me. How you doing today? Man, I'm doing pretty good. Just, uh, you know, living life and, you know, making time for this show so we can, you know, get on this thing and cook a little bit. You feel me? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. But, man, you know, if you're watching us, listening to us anyway, you know, make this a favorite on, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you're going to be watching this video, make sure you like and subscribe to the page and especially running through the jungle. They got a lot of good stuff going on over there. Also on YouTube and in the podcast realm, Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your podcast. There's so many damn places you can find your podcast. So, you know, go on ahead. You can find us really on anywhere. Uh, you know, excited, but also not excited to talk about what's coming up here. Um, you know, the Bengals play the Cardinals week five uh, on October the 8th, 4.05 p.m. on Fox. We'll talk about them, that matchup in a little bit. But, Justin, um, you know, you want to share some notes with us? Because you, you, you were telling me a little bit behind stage, you know, that, you know, you had some notes from the Rams game and then some notes from the Titans game and how drastically different they were. I'm interested to hear this. Yeah, no, definitely. So for those that are also listeners of the Run Through the Jungle podcast, so we hopped on a show and talked about the game leading up to the Monday night game. And it was basically about our 0-2 start. And while, yes, it's a little bit concerning and it's different from last year's start, but don't really sell your Bengals stock just as yet. And so I got some notes here that I had really kind of gave some advice to the fans and tried to include myself in this. And I basically said, look, don't sell your stock just yet, but remove all expectations from getting the number one seed. That's the number one thing that this team was hampered by probably was high expectations. So I said, just remove them, get rid of them. The play, the fear of long-term injury. We understand that Joe Burrow, we didn't know really what to make of his calf after two weeks. We thinking that, okay, is it going to get better? He's not practicing, but is he going to practice? But we thinking that this Rams game was going to be a get right game. Again, this is before the game was played. So I basically just said that just adjust your mindset away from the expectations. But they're still probably a little close to figuring it out. That was my notes before the Monday night game against the Rams. Then the Monday night game happened. And then I was like, I'm still not too impressed for what I'm seeing. I'm glad we got the win, but I'm not as impressed of what we're seeing. So then... That's what you mentioned. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes this day, and I'm just not impressed with what I'm seeing from this team. And they are drastically different from the advice that I gave the fan base literally two weeks ago after saying that 0-2. This 1-3 record, man, it just feels like we're done. I don't. I, I hate saying that, and I hate sticking a fork in us in the season, but I just don't feel like that there is true, genuine upside to this season now. Because we just feel like that 
Joe Burrow's injury is really plaguing into his play, and it just doesn't feel like that the coaching staffs are doing anything to adjust it to make sure that he is playing better while dealing with discomfort. Yes, they're feeding us the coach speak talk, the locker room talk like it's going to get better. You know, we just got to let it play out. It'll heal naturally on his own and stuff. But I tend to not buy into none of that. There are quarterbacks that's dealing with so much more, if you ask me personally. I just watched Geno Smith hop on, hop back out in the game after suffering a knee injury during the last Monday night's game against the Giants. And, they, and again, no, their defense had a um, crazy day too. But yeah. Geno Smith was still cooking in that game. They still ran the ball decently okay in that game. And, they st- and Geno Smith made pretty good throws in that game. So it's not like – it's not like it's not impossible to still play good football. Geno Smith also had the help of Shea Waldron, their offensive coordinator, dialing up creative run plays and quick passing plays because they also didn't have a really good offensive line in that game too. But then I look back at this Bengals team against this particular Titans team that I came on the running through the jungle show and sort of disrespected. And I got to be honest, I disrespected the Titans. I do apologize for that. But at the end of the day, I still didn't think highly of the Titans. And you let that team roll over you 27 points. And you barely didn't even you did, after that first drive, you just basically felt like you quit the whole entire game. And on top of that, even during garbage time, when the game was already over, you still couldn't execute. So I'm, I'm just like, it's so night and day when I look back at my notes, comparing from two weeks ago on until tonight, how vastly my views have changed of this team and of this season. Yeah, and you know, I think we'll keep it on this beat when we're talking about offensive struggles. And like you mentioned last night with Shane Waldron and the Seattle Seahawks, what they were doing to help out Geno Smith, who was hampered by a knee injury throughout the game. Obviously, the defense did go crazy. That's one thing that needs to happen for us to win a damn game is the defense need to go, not necessarily like the Monday night game every week, but if they play you know, up to that level with their hair on fire, then you got chances, and then you help your quarterback out. We'll talk about the defense in just a second because it ain't good over there. But offensively, I, I got a book right here, actually. It's by Harry G. Frankfurt. I don't know if the camera's going to turn around. I don't know if it's going to you know, like, uh, you know, know, like, mirror this really well. But the book title is called On Bullshit. That's exactly what the coaching staff is on right now. And you know what? Oh, that is it. on truth. We on truth with it. You Look feel me? Look. The scheme, I will hammer this down. Scheme, scheme, scheme. It is insane that we have not been able to just, you know, try try to try to change the scheme a little bit. You're one in three. You can't, you're not gonna win 14 or 13 games right now, not on Sunday. You know, you gotta change it up for the opponent. You gotta scheme it to help your quarterback out. I was listening to, uh, you know, Cincinnati Bengals talk. James Rapine, really good reporter for the Bengals. I, I personally like him. Um, you know, did did a ten minute video earlier. You know, didn't talk much about X's and O's, but you know, why 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 don't have Joe Burrow playing the pistol more? You know, have Joe Mixon right behind him. It's basically like you under center, but you in the gun. You can do a lot of the same concepts. You know, when it comes to running the football, power run game, trap schemes, all this X's and O stuff that you can do out of the pistol formation, um, you know, I, I don't understand on third down why we're running long developing routes when everyone in the world knows that they are going to send the house at our, you know, immobile quarterback at this moment. Because if you told me, you know, two months ago before that burrow injury happened or two or three months ago, it's been, you know, I feel like a while, but if you would have told me a couple months ago that, oh, yeah, week three, week four, they're going to send all out blitzes at Joe Burrow, I told you he dimed them up. Obviously, the injury does not help, but it's just unbelievable that the scheme is not there. It, it, it just isn't, you know, basic scheme of uh, let's have everybody run a fade. Uh, let's have everybody, you know, run hitches that are short of the line. Of script. Like, just like it, just the whole thing is like, come on, man, you got to They, I will give them credit. On Monday night uh, against the Rams, they moved Jamar around, moved him in motion, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if you're going to move him around, you got to try to get him the damn ball. <laughs> like, right. you feel me? Like, it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense what, what they're trying to accomplish and everything. And that's been a big thing. But obviously, other than Joe Burrow's calf injury, because trust me, talking about Joe Burrow's, Joe Burrow's calf, it, it, it just, it, it literally 
you know, makes my calf ache talking about it. It makes my it makes my heartache talking about it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. we're both down here in Cincinnati, man. We hear it all the freaking time. That's like the one thing everybody's talking about. Oh, the Bengals, Joe Burrow's calf. Like, okay. So what else is lacking in the offense, you know, other than Joe Burrow? And we could literally save this uh, another segment for Zach Taylor. We we could talk about that Sorry. in a minute. But but what else is lacking in this in this offensive scheme? I'm with you, Chase, man. The, the calf injury, I'm done hearing the excuses regarding it. He's just not playing good football regarding regarding the calf injury or not. Again, I know he's trying to be a tough warrior, but I'm not I'm done hearing the excuses from the fan base. And I wish they keep bringing it up every other tweet that I get on social media. But yeah. yeah, you brought some you brought some things up in regards to the play calling. It's just so, so suspect right now. And it's so ashamed of how it is non-existent and non-creative when this coaching staff has now been together for three years now. Actually longer, maybe a little Actually, bit longer than five, that. Brian Callahan. Five years. Yeah. Five years. Five yeah, years. Brian Callahan. Yeah. Brian Callahan, Dan Pitch. Was Dan Pitcher there for now, when not, Zach Taylor was hired? I'm not sure if Dan I think Dan Pitcher might have came on a year after or something like that. Cause I know Alex Van Pelt used to be the quarterback's coach for a second. I, 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 do could, I don't know. That. I don't know if it was under Marvin Lewis or not, but Dan Pitcher has been there for at least three years. We'll say that. I think he was there when we when Zach Taylor was hired because that was one of the coaches that he had brought on as a That's QB true. coach. That's true. Now yeah. that I think about it, because that was yep. under Dalton's first year. I get it. Yes. I get it now. Yes. The only yes. real change was Jim Turner, the O-line coach, and went from him to Frank Pollock, and That's that was the mass change that they made there. But you would think that a coaching staff, essentially the core coaching staff, would have that's been together for five seasons now, would do better than going 0 for 6 on third down in that Titans game. That first drive, I thought, was going to be what the real Bengals were. They were that very was, well balanced. That was awesome. So creative. That was incredibly creative. I was like, I haven't seen this. The best drive of the year. First, let me ask you this question. before, yeah. I, before I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you, yeah. Did you think that the Bengals did the wrong thing by going for a field goal after on that first drive instead of a touchdown? I I personally didn't. I didn't think it was the wrong thing just because, like, you know, I thought the defense, you know, defense stopped them, you know, and they, you know, they only got three that drive. And I was like, all right, you got you're evenly locked. It's, you know, not a win. It's a wash. All right. Offense, go out there, do the same thing again. And uh, there you go. There, there you go. But yeah, you keep, keep cooking, I asked, bro. <laughs> I asked you that. I asked you that question because I had a feeling in my body. It's like it was really important for them to get seven on that first drive, that opening That's drive true. series. Yeah. The Bengals, they Bengals won a toss in eight, and they elected to receive. The only time I feel like the Bengals do that if they are so uberly confident that they're going to score on that That's, drive, and that is facts. That is facts. That and, is facts. And when they walked away from just cooking and just slicing up that Titans defense like it was nothing, and they only got three points out of it, I thought to myself, this might be something that tells me that they're not going to be as aggressive down the rest of the game as I would would like them to be. Yeah. So I didn't think nothing of it at the time. Yeah. But then, as you said, then they just moved away from everything that they did so well on. And then they never showed any sort of aggressiveness then. They let the Titans be the aggressor. And that's what was frustrating to me. And no wonder why they were 0 for 6 on third down throughout the, that game until they, I think they converted one in garbage time on the final drive, which at that point, nobody cared. Who like, cares? Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, so the play calling, the lack of creativity on the play calling, more specifically on third down, was very eye opening and eye popping throughout this whole entire season thus far. And we all thought it was. You know, because they everybody want to compare the week one game to this one. To me, this was a hell of a lot worse in week one. Yes. I understand the rain was a factor in week one, but this Titans team, I'm telling you right now, is just not that good to me. It's just no. not that good. And nope. you let them run all over you and you let them bully you. They didn't do anything special to me in that game either. I didn't think Derrick Henry outside of the one run that he had, that he had basically people bouncing off of him for the tackle like he was benches Derrick Henry at that point. You think he was anything special in that entire game, but and I know we're going to get to the defense here, but I feel like that what's missing on this offensive side of the ball is they need to look at themselves in the mirror and have a reality check. That the reality check is what they're missing. There's too much talent on this team, but they just operating like that. They just assume that it's going to just work itself out without actually understanding that there has to be some actual changes to make 
within whether it's scheme, whether it's the pass blocking, whether it's play call, whatever the case it may be. They're just operating with this mindset of we'll eventually figure it out and we're going to start cooking. And when we do cook, y'all better stay where you are. Man, dude, enough of that talk. All right. I understood that last year when we started off 0-2 and then 4-4. and But, dude, you're 1-3 and on danger of being 1-4 and and potentially 1-5 and after I saw Seattle last on Monday night. Yeah. It's not looking good right now. So you got to figure it out on the offensive side of the ball. What's your identity going to flip to? Because right now, Joe Burrow is not healthy. He's not playing good football. And this offense has been so predicated on being head and shoulders above everybody else because they had one of those big dogs at quarterback. And right now, it's just not looking at that, that way that now. And the crazy thing is the offense, if you think about it and you, you look at it, if you scheme it the right way, if you call plays the right way and, and, and you know, you go through a game the right way, it can change like that. It can change like that. It really can. Like we saw at that Titans game, the first drive, we, you know, that that was like, man, I don't even know how to describe it because like, you know, Joe Mixon was running for five, six yards a pop. They couldn't stop him up the middle. Joe right. Burr was getting the ball quick out of his hands. Uh, Jamar Chase was making plays. C. Higgins was catching the football. You know what I'm saying? Like there was, it was they, the thing, the the thing that you cannot stop with the Cincinnati Bengals, and this stays, you know, relevant for these last couple of years, is when that team has urgency on offense, you you cannot stop them. They're quick, mm-hmm. quick game, urgency, play with your hair on fire, man. You're right. not gonna stop us, but they just don't do that. They just don't, like you said, they they, they wait too long to be. Like, they're like, ah, oh, you know, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out eventually. Blah blah blah. That whole you know whole attitude, like, oh, you know, once we once we figure it out, you know, don't don't switch up on us and stuff like that. I'm like, that was right. cool. Two games in last year, but we're four games in this year. In the fourth game, y'all got your asses kicked. And it's like we, we just we cannot do that. You're going out to the desert on Sunday. You better be playing hot. All right, you better be playing hot like that. And it's it's real frustrating. I look at some stats. Joe Burrow. I mean, every stat that Joe Burrow has had this this season has been absolutely atrocious. 57% completion percentage, a 69 uh passer rating. Passer rating the the average is uh in the NFL like if you're an average quarterback, average to above average quarterback is 90 and he's at 69.1. He actually has the lowest yards per attempt in NFL history since the since 1950. Yards per attempt, 4.8 yards per attempt when he throws the football. Obviously, he's not going to throw the football, you know, deeper down the field because of the cap injury, but you can still, you know, you know, iterate some stuff that's, you know, going to be good for quick game. He's going to be getting the ball to your playmakers. They can get yards at the catch. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 728 yards. I think Zach Wilson has more passing yards than him, you know, and this is wild. You know, Joe Mixon, in four games, he is averaging 14.8 attempts a game. That ain't cutting it. 4.2 no. yards a carry. If if you're gonna tell me that Joe Mixon is gonna average four four and a half yards a carry, that man should be getting the ball about twenty five times a game. But you know how he's gonna get the ball twenty five times a game? You gotta start off with the lead, and you gotta maintain it, and you gotta put the foot down and keep it on their necks. But we don't do that at all. And you know why the issue is with that? The damn defense too. The defense is part of the problem as well. I got to cough here real quick because there's a lot of stuff I got to say. Man, you think about it, the defense on Monday night against the Rams, you know, it was cooking. Six sacks, two interceptions. I've never seen that defense play like that before since probably maybe 2015, 2013 Mike Zimmer defense. And, you know, we love that defense. We love that team. You know, me and Justin were talking about this is I was probably one of the most underrated Bengals teams of all time that, you know, we, we talked about this sure. a couple months ago. Definitely. You know, sure. that 2013 team has special place in our hearts. But when you think about it, the, the type of game that you have to play when you have a hamper quarterback and you have a run game that's working when you use it and you can use it. You got to you got to be lights out on defense. You got to play really good defense. You got to be flying around the football, you know, like like, you know. Someone stole your younger sister's lunch. All right. Like, like that type of stuff. Ah, I got to get it back. I got to get the ball back. You know, I got to get that thing back. But we don't do that. We don't play like that. We, we play at that when we want to. We play that all the time. Like you're playing for 60 minutes or three and a half hour, you know, football game and all that stuff. It, it's, it's a lot. It's tiring. It's it's a grind. Don't get me wrong. I don't obviously we don't have the pros. But damn, like you're getting paid millions of dollars to do this. 
Tackle the, right. tackle the ball carrier. Come on, man. Right. Like, what, what What's the big problem, though? What is the big problem? that? Re- what's the glaring problem on defense? Because, like I said, it, it, the, on Monday night, it was really good. But what is the glaring issue on that defense that you see Justin Lacey? For me, I think that they're just losing a little bit of that mental edge that they've had over the last couple of years. You know, they've kind of gotten fat happy off of the success of the last two seasons, but they've now had to go through some personnel changes and they're going through growing pains. I give them the least amount of blame out of all of the blame game that passed around. The yes. defense for me gets the least because I understand what the personnel is looking like. Mm-hmm. You know, Cheeto Wuzier, he's not playing like Cheeto like I've known him to become since he became a Bengal. Right now, he's giving up some explosive plays here and there. He's still probably maybe coming back from that Achilles injury that he suffered on Halloween last year. And maybe he's still trying to return himself back to form. That was always a big question for me with him when we got him back on the team coming from that injury. Is he going to be able to operate the same? We know we like the potential that DJ Turner and even DJ Ivy have at the cornerback's position, but we don't know if it's going to surface itself this season. I haven't seen DJ Turner make big plays yet so far. We like his speed. We think he can be special when he finally figures it out, but it hasn't happened yet. Dax Hill is the one that is showing some impressive stuff to me because that was also the biggest thing that Bengals fans have paid attention to because how was the safety room going to handle the departure of Jesse Bates and Von Bill, as we already know? Well, we have believed automatically that Dax Hill was going to pan himself out because He's playing in a role to where he can sort of be the overseer. And he's kind of worked out. He also got an interception, albeit it was probably because of an arm punt by Ryan Tannehill. But he got a pick. And I do like him being that Swiss Army knife, being like that chess piece all over the field. He's knifing in the backfield, getting tackles for loss. Hell, on Monday night, as you mentioned, he got a vicious sack on Matt Stafford to the word like he Man. came out like he just got he shot got out of cannon for sack. <laughs> that was my favorite sack of the entire game. I still oh, like yeah. what I'm seeing from the defensive line, even though it's probably frustrating. But I think that the defense has also been put in some really bad spots because this offense is just not yes. doing them no kind of favors. Yep. However, I will also say this as the reason why I'm kind of putting it more towards them losing a bit of their mental edge a bit. They missed a ton of tackles this past Sunday. Like, yeah. They missed way too many tackles. Logan Wilson, more specifically, had a tackle for a loss right there, and he read a perfect play where Ryan Tannehill looked down the field and dumped it off to, I think it was Tajay Spears. I believe I can't so. I not remember who it was. I think it was probably Tajay Spears. I'll double-check myself on that. And then Logan Wilson had him right there. He read the play perfectly and then should have had him for a tackle for a loss or even for a no game. Yep. He broke out of it and ended up getting a first down, or short, maybe short of the first down, but he got yards out of it. And yep. it was a it was positive yardage. And Logan Wilson was just disgusted in himself. So it's stuff like that that just you can't allow that to happen. And the reason why I say the mental age is the even bigger thing, because let's take a look at that team out in western Pennsylvania that's also going through real rebuild and change themselves too. That same Browns team that we also only mustered up three points against beat them on their home turf without even having a great offense either. Everybody likes to say T.J. Watt gets in Joe Burrow's head and all this and that. Well, Pittsburgh on Pittsburgh's side of the ball, oh, actually on Pittsburgh and they're how their team and how they build, they don't care about Miles um, Garrett. They got T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt is the great neutralizer for Miles Garrett. It seems to me that every time that those two teams play each other and those two players play on the same field, Watt is always having a better game than Garrett, 100% of the time it feels like. And they ended up winning that game basically because of their defense. But we also know in this day and age, as this offensive is it's such an offensive-driven schematic league these days, it's really hard to win consistently on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis by virtue of just playing great defense. It's almost mm-hmm. damn near impossible, it feels yeah. like. But when your defense shows up, they can have great games. We can also point to the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys just got pretty much just stonewalled by the Cardinals the week prior. And now this past Sunday, they had another one of their better defensive performances of the year after shutting out the Giants week one. So it is a lot of Jekyll and Hyde on the defensive side of all across the league in general. So that's why another reason why I don't give them too much of the blame. But I need to see this defense capture that edge again. And I think that they have the tools on that side of the ball to do it. Trey Henderson is still a dog at the pass rush position. He's still one of my favorite players in the league to watch. 
Sam Humber, I love him as a run stuffer, also a pseudo pass rusher himself, too. You got to find a way to involve Joseph Osai in there. Again, I get it, man. We're so we're so in our fields in this psyche of, oh, we don't want our players to get hurt. Man, injuries is going to happen. Get his ass on the field, man. I also mm-hmm. love that Miles Mercy got, a, got himself a first sack of the year because there were fans clobbering from a, oh, I think we might have drafted a buzz. Bro, let, you got to let some of these players develop. And we knew yeah. that this was somewhat of a developmental type of year for the defense. Yeah. Kind of like the Chiefs were last year. We That's exactly what the, this defense is this season. I think they'll be fine, but they got to find a way to capture that, that fire back because, and again, to no fault of their own, Dolphins ain't doing them no favors, but, you know, it's not a one offensive showing kind of a league, man. You got two sides of the ball here, and you got to take care of your own stuff too, man. No excuses. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more with what you just said there. It's just the fact of, you know, I agree the pass rush has been has been pretty good this year. I, I don't, you know, I don't think it's been bad at all. You know, guys are getting after the quarterback. I believe we had like, we had, we had like three or four sacks. I think we had like four sacks. Couple yeah. of them got nullified by injury. We would have had like six or something like that. And it's another thing too. See, this is another reason why I'm not super impressed with what the Titans did to us this past Sunday. Let that be the Buffalo Bills that they were up 24 to three on. They would have lost that game. Let that be the Kansas City Chiefs, who don't really have that great of weapons at the receiver position right now. They would have also lost that game. The Tennessee Titans I'm talking about. The Miami Dolphins, if they were down 24 to three against that same Titans team, the Titans looking like that. They would have probably lost that game because that team, those teams know how to corral their offensive weaponry to be explosive at any given moment so far. They're showing that this year. The Bengals haven't found that. They haven't found that elixir this year. They think that they're finding it and they think that is there, but it's just not. I agree. And we're going to go to a break real quick and we will back some numbers up on, you know, why the Bengals offense is not that explosive. We'll be right back in just a moment. All right, and we are back, you know, talk about some some numbers that, you know, honestly, when I saw these numbers, it honestly made my eyeballs bleed quite a bit. Um, So big plays through week four, 2023 season. Um, If you had to take a guess, Justin, who the, you know, the team that leads in big plays is, you know, who would you who would you say? I'm going to take a wild guess and say Tanner Hudson. Well, I was gonna say, uh, uh, my fault. I'm saying for like teams, teams in National Football League. My fault. Oh, but Tanner Hudson. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, he might, he, he's tied. <laughs> no, nah, man. But w- w- which team do you think has the most uh, explosive plays or big plays uh, throughout this season in the National Football League? What, any team off the top of your head? Okay, um, it's easy to point at the Miami Dolphins right now because of Mike McDaniel's and Tua is looking like he's having a stellar season so far. Albeit they did just get their ass beat by the Bills. But I'm not gonna go to it. I'm actually gonna go with the Bills. I think that they lead the I think they lead the league in big plays. Am I I'm that's a guess, but that's the feeling I'm getting. Well, you know, Miami does lead the league in big plays. Obviously, the Denver game the, the Denver game obviously helps that. They they have 38 big plays this year. 38 in four games. That is nine and a half, you know, obviously round up to 10 big plays a game. Big plays meaning that you know 10 plus yard 10 plus yard rushes and 20 plus yard receptions. The Dolphins have 10 have 20 uh 20 10 plus yard rushes and they have 18 20 plus yard catches this season. The Bills are in the top 10. They have 26 uh big plays through week four. The Cincinnati Bengals are tied with the Las Vegas Raiders in the cellar of the National Football League with 11. The Bengals have had seven runs of 10 plus yards and four catches of 20 plus yards. You're telling me that you have, yeah, they all, yeah, yeah. You're telling me that you got, you know, obviously an injured, an injured Joe Burrow, but who cares? It's Joe Burrow. You you think like, you know, like, like, don't get me wrong. The calf injury. I've never had a calf injury before. You know, it's, you know, if, if Joe Burrow is going through it right now, it's probably, you know, probably hurts pretty bad, but he's a warrior for playing through it and all that stuff. But if you go and play through it, man, you know, you gotta you, you gotta be able to try to make some throws and, and try to you know do some stuff as well. But that also comes with the coaching staff. We talked about that before. I don't want to keep recycling information. You know, seven seven rushes of 10 plus yards or more, four receptions of 20 plus yards or more. 
Um, you, you got Joe Burrow, you got Joe Mixon, you got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, um, Tanner Hudson, who is actually responsible for one of those big plays. Um, you know, it it is um it's utterly ridiculous how that's the case. It it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you scheme some of the things up. Maybe you'd have some more explosive plays, but that's for another, you know, another discussion. And also, before we get into this Bengals Cardinals game, updated rankings for the Bengals on oh, offense no. and defense. You, yeah, I know. I know. There's, yeah, yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of great running backs who, uh, you know, wore these numbers. That's the rankings that we have. Jim Brown, number 32. Before you give those rankings, I just want to let the viewers know and the listeners know. I personally have not seen these rankings. I refuse to. So yeah, when he gets ready to unleash these rankings to where we are right now, <laughs> this is going to be for the first time I'm hearing it, and it's going. To, I'm pretty much assuming that it's going to make my ears bleed. So go, go ahead, go ahead. I just wanted to give that disclaimer. All right. In the addition that Justin has towels to help out his ears, um, total offense is ranked Jim Brown. 32nd in the league. Hmm. Rush offense is Priest Holmes, number 31 in the league yeah. in rush offense. Pass offense is rated number 29, Eric Dickerson in the league. Yeah. Scoring yeah. offense is rated. Who's another good 31 in the National Football League? Actually, we'll go former, former Bengal, Jeremy Johnson, 31st. Oh, jeez. Jeremy, Jeremy Johnson. Yep, 31. You have, yep, your your four offensive categories. Your highest category is pass offense, and that's 29th in the National Football League. Everything else is 31st or 32nd, believe it or not. Yes. Total defense. Yes. Total defense. Delta O'Neal, number 24 in total defense. Uh, rush defense. There's a lot of 31s. Um, let's go with a former, a former bangle uh, for like a year or two. Roy Williams, safety. Uh, number 31 pass defense. You got the red rifle, number 14 oh, pass, pass defense. defense. Oh, nice. wow. We I have, have no idea. Uh, no, actually, Dex Hill gives me okay. I, I can see well, that. Gotcha. Yeah, that's true. And then scoring defense, you're, you're number 18, AJ Green. You're the 18th in the league at scoring defense, which, eh, you know, and then no, turnover. Yeah, yeah, turnover plus, plus minus. You're tied 12th. You're in the upper half of the league. That's actually the one of two categories that you're in the upper half of the league of. Um, in 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 that, um, really rough numbers. Um, you add those numbers up, it's 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 a three digit number. You know, it's not great. It's it really isn't. You know. Um, wow, wow. Um, okay, we got to start uh, with this offense. So the passing offense that you mentioned is ranked number twenty nine. I'm actually surprised by that 29. I ranking. am too. I, I am thought we too. were going to be dead last. But yeah. then I had to think Pittsburgh's probably the team that's dead last on passing offense. I have no idea, but he probably I just read the number. I just read the numbers. It was off of Jay Morrison's Twitter. They're off Jay Morrison's okay. Twitter. Yep. Shout out to All Jay right. Morrison. Yeah. Shout out to oh, Jay yeah. Morrison. I know you, you I know you doing a pro football network. You know, you're doing your thing over there. Shout out to you doing great work over there. But 29th in passing offense, I'm really surprised at that because out of the four games, here's some more stats. Three of those games, Joe Burrow threw for under 200 yards passing, well below 200 yard passing. And in week one, he threw for over a hundred under a hundred yards passing yeah. with 82 yards against Cleveland. So that is really shocking to me. He only threw two touchdowns on the year so far, both of them in the same game against the Ravens. And I mean, I'm not going to call it garbage time because we still had a chance to win. And then you threw two interceptions again, one in the Ravens in the game, and then another one against the Ram the Rams. Rams. Was, the yeah. Rams. Was the Rams? Yeah, it was the Rams. It was uh, Tyler Boyd ran something. Like, a kilo yeah, with a spoon. That pick, that crazy interception that he that was. A, that, I'll tell you, that was a good interception. I'll give him credit. That, that was, was, you know, and good. I don't put that on yeah. Joe because that was nah, one hell of a defensive play. It was. And then he has a, a sack fumble loss in, a, I think, in a couple of games. It just that that's why that 29th ranking just really surprised me. I thought it was going to be dead last because it yeah. feels like it's dead last who's worse that's what i want to know now it's like Shoot. who's worse than us wow I, I don't even know for real like i know the cardinals are ahead of us when you're looking at the past they're ahead of us so <laughs> you know that's, that's it's a damn shame and it's a damn shame because we got to talk about these cardinals who yes sir paper look better <laughs> than us so josh dobbs man um 70 completion percentage this year 70 from him 
814 yards, uh, I believe. Uh, touchdowns, interceptions. I, I think he's four. He has not thrown a pick yet. Four touchdowns and no interceptions this season. So, you know, he's he's been playing pretty clean football overall. James Conner, 318 yards rushing, averaging 5.1 yards a carry. He's having a really good year. And right behind him, Josh Dobbs, averaging 5.9 yards a carry. The goal for the Cardinals is to run the football, to set up the pass. And how many teams have we played this year that are going to do that? Uh, every single one of them, basically, except for the Rams that we beat. Um, tough. This is this is tough. Um, you got Hollywood Brown, 239 yards receiving on 21 catches, two touchdowns. They had a really good uh, rookie receiver, Michael Wilson from Stanford. Uh 237 yards on 14 catches and two touchdowns. Uh, this Cardinals team, also Zach Ertz, this place from as well, 20 receptions. Um, this Cardinals team, like we talked about before, they, um, you know, you know, thought we were going to be tanking all this stuff. You know, maybe they, you know, they still I might end up doing that, but they ain't going to try to tank this Sunday. <laughs> they see an opportunity. They see an opportunity yeah. against us. It's, it, it, it's just if if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. It's like, and you see the Cardinals who are like, oh man, we got an opportunity against them. We play the same exact way like the Titans and the Browns and the Ravens do and stuff like that. You know, you would think in Cincinnati that would piss the Bengals off and be like, hell nah, we stopping the run. We finna block y'all up. But we don't know. This game has me worried. <laughs> this game has me very worried from the games that I've seen in the past because guess what? We have not scored a touchdown on the road this season. The team that we can walk in the we can walk in your trap and take over your trap. We walking in your trap and we trapped on offense. We are trapped. We we up in a, we up in a damn cage, man. It's you know what I'm saying. It's crazy. Why why does the cage bird sing? The ca we 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 don't even sing, man. We just in the cage. We just in the cage on offense. They put clamps on us. Like, damn. Like, it, it is frustrating. Frustrating as heck. But, Justin, take the floor before I go on ahead and lose just breath out of my – God, take it. Take it. Oh, man. <laughs> that phrase, we use, we are the team that tends to walk in your trap and take over your trap. Now we're the team that walk in your trap and we trapped. That's exactly the perfect explanation to where the Bengals are right now when it comes to their role warrior life mentality. Dude, it started the Titans game. We should never have been trapped in that game, bro. No, but now, but going to this Cardinals team, yeah, this is the ultimate trap game right here. If you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, and it does have me worried too. This, 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 this Arizona Cardinals team, they give me shades of the 2019 Miami Dolphins. And the 2019 Miami Dolphins, the whole tank for Tua was a thing. They ended up still getting to it. That's funny, but yeah, <laughs> but Brian Flores. And there's a lot of stories that came about it later on down the road from Brian Flores' point of view that they basically wanted him to tank, sell off all these parts and stuff and to essentially lose games on purpose so that the way he can take for the number one pick. Mm -hmm. And he came out and said that I'm not trying to do all of that. And their head coach, John Gannett, has sort of adopted that Brian Flores-like mentality. And, he, and he's like, nah, nah, man, look, I get it, man. We still got to evaluate our plethora of roster of guys that – we don't know what to make up with this team, but I'm still going to empower my guys to go out there and fight and give it their all. I had the 49ers defense starting in my fantasy lineup this past Sunday, and they and it was a surefire win for the Niners, and they ended up showing that on the scoreboard. But you know how many points that the 49ers yielded me? Two points in fantasy. Two. Two. Even through my face, I'm so frustrated in that too. <laughs> if anybody watching on YouTube, ain't no way, ain't no way, ain't no way, ain't no way. That's awesome. That was a, that was, that was a complete awful. accident. That was a complete accident. I did not mean to get my finger caught oh between my, my glasses. You tell them, you tell them. And I looked at the score and I thought to myself, in the world. When the 49ers won this game by a long shot, 35 to 16, did they only yield two fantasy points? And then I just went on ahead and just dove deep into this, the, just the touchdown drives and the scoring drives and all the plays. And then I kind of saw it. Okay, this actually makes sense. The Cardinals actually played control the clock better than they than the 49ers did. Although the 49ers, when they got their hands on the rock, they scored. 
But I see a 16-play drive here for the 49 I'm sorry, for the Cardinals, ended in the field goal. A 15-play drive, went over 92 yards, I see, ended in a touchdown. And then the Cardinals ended another 13-play drive for 94 yards in a touchdown. And I'm thinking, and this has got me thinking, they've pretty much controlled the clock from start to finish from this game against the 49ers. And they also been able to get chunk yards against the team that they knew that they were overmatched by but they still was able to play control-free football, no mistakes, no picks I don't see here under these mm -hmm. all of these drives. And I see a turnover on downs drive, but that's because the game is over. It was off of a 12-play drive. This is just the last guess they possibly can, and it just didn't happen. So, And then the game before that, I mentioned earlier in the show, they ended up stunning, pulling off a stunning upset of the Cowboys. Josh Dobbs pulled off a stunning upset of the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. That same Dallas team that has a great defense that that threw forty points on the on the Giants week one and then thirty eight points on the Patriots, the same Cardinals team that they just show a lot of feistiness and it just reminds me of what I saw from those Brian Flores led Dolphins team that who cares what the organization is trying to do tanking wise, I bet that the Cardinals are telling themselves dude regardless of this tanking situation or not. It's not going to bode well for us regardless because we're still not going to know what to do with Kyler Murray. The way how his attitude is during the offseason and how he's apparently not coming off the PUP list um, once he even does get cleared. Mm -hmm. We don't know how to make up that situation, coupled with the fact that while Caleb Williams is the star-studded guy that everybody is pegging as the number one overall pick coming out of USC, and right now I'll give him that he's playing like it for sure. Yeah. The Cardinals looking like, man, at this point, this is probably not the year you even want the number one pick because you're not a fight. You're not a fancy enough destination, even as a terrible team for a number one pick to come in and try to change the culture of that franchise. And on top of that, I don't even think if I'm the Cardinals organization that I'm really going to be turned on by the likes of Caleb Williams based off of the comments that I've been hearing regarding that I want to pick and choose my destination or stay at USC. If you're the Cardinals, you're like, man, hell to hell with all this. I just want to go out there and win football games. And they're actually playing like it. They might not show up. It might not show up like that on the win column just as yet, but their stats are actually showing it. You just mentioned James Conner and his rushing yard is total throughout the season. I'm impressed. I've always been impressed with James Conner. I feel like that he didn't get a fair shakedown in Pittsburgh. Hollywood Brown got disrespected out of Baltimore to the point where Ravens fans were clobbering for him to be traded because they just felt like that Lamar would need better receivers. I always thought the world of Hollywood Brown personally. Did I think that he was a true number one? Mm, maybe not, but he's a guy that can make big plays when you need him to. And gay, hey, he has two touchdowns. That's more than Jamar Chase has on the season, who has zero for now. That is that is eye-opening in and of itself. And they're not playing scrub opponents. They're also playing big-time opponents. Again, <laughs> they played the Cowboys, who have a ferocious defense in the pass rush, and they beat them. They played the 49ers, even though the score doesn't indicate it and it can seem misleading, they played the 49ers really tough. And they yeah. have been doing that this whole entire season. Week one, they gave – who they played? The Commanders, if I'm not commanders, mistaken? Commanders, yeah, yeah. I thought they won that game, if I'm I not thought mistaken. I thought so, too. Well, they – yeah, I mean – at they, least lost they were winning that game. That game. I yeah. think the Commanders came back and ended up winning, yeah. coming back and winning. Which Commanders are a nice, feisty little team too. Just to show out there. But if you're the Bengals, you got to figure out a way to kind of just get your fire and your mojo back, and not trying to think like, "Oh, there's just the Cardinals. We this is a get right game." No, this Cardinals team. I'm I guarantee it right now. John Gannon got these boys smelling blood in the water here in Cincinnati, and he knows that this team does not have a mobile enough quarterback and doesn't show that they even have the clue to figure out how to unlock the talent on this offense and this offense is really talented you couple that with the fact that we got t higgins going to probably play with a broken rib or something i'm hoping that you know he does get better or whatnot um tyler boyd has not necessarily found any mojo in this offense to either joe mixon is the main thing that i've been we've been always clamoring as Bengal fans like you got to get him to rock and let him keep going but at the end of the day, they already know that this Bengals team is going to be impatient. They may run the ball pretty well to start the game, but they know they're going to want to pass and be their normal selves again. And that's going to be our downfall because we haven't figured out a way to get out of our own way when it comes to the play calling and being creative. And that's that's that is the complete recipe of a of an upset on the road against the Cardinals. I'll tell you right now, I'm not a really a big time better right now. 
And if you are a big better, I think you should give the show pay dirt with uh with B Dirt, Brandon Harriet, and his boy a listen because we do we do pay dirt uh episodes here on the Run Through the Jungle Network. Good plug. I'm not really a betting man, but I think the Bengals have opened the line at four and a half point favorites. I'm not looking to bet the Bengals to win this game. Maybe I'll bet the money line personally, but if anything, I will probably bet the Arizona Cardinals to cover. But again, don't take my advice because I'm not good. <laughs> Bengals already lost me money twice, so I'm done. Man, man, I mean, yeah, that you know, it's it's crazy when you think about it. You know, with um, with you know. Jonathan Gannon, remember, I mean, he was the Eagles defensive coordinator with the team that had 70 sacks last season. They had 70 sacks. Right. I mean, you, don't, you don't have, a, you know, as much talent on that defense as the Eagles did last year. But, you know, you, you got to be a damn fool to think that he ain't going to try to scheme something up for Joe Burrow. You feel me? True. Like, like, yeah. like and, and the thing is, man, like, do, do you remember uh, when we played the Raiders uh, week 11 of 2021? Remember that we played out in Vegas. Mm-hmm. That that game was it was a Joe Mixon game. That was not the last time we saw a true Joe Mixon game, but it was a Joe Mixon game when we absolutely needed a Joe Mixon game. Joe Mixon mm-hmm. had five touchdowns against the Panthers last year, and now I wouldn't say we needed it. It was great that he did it. You know, obviously Burrow could have you know won the you know thrown the ball could have won the game, but stuff like that. But what did the Bengals do last year? You know, they adjusted. They ad- they, they got to adjust now. They have to adjust. But what mm-hmm. I'm talking about with this Raiders Week 11 game from back then was, right. I believe Joe Mixon ran the ball around 32 times that game. He had over 130 yards rushing, and he had two touchdown runs. Yeah, I remember the touchdown that sealed the deal that won the game. But I absolutely remember that game like it was yeah. yesterday. Well, because it literally felt like yesterday with them yeah. two years ago being a part of that magical run to the Super Bowl. It mm-hmm. certainly did. Joe Burrow didn't even have 200 yards passing that day. But nope. it, I, we are a firm belief that if it needed to come down to Joe Burrow passing the ball 100 times, he would have. But because that game specifically was more designed to just let Joe Mixon just kill it, the rest of the way and Joe Burrow is here for as an insurance because I think that he threw a touchdown pass to Jamar Chase in that game as well too in the yep. back left corner of the end zone mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty sweet so it was it was that game <laughs> yeah that game should ideally be the focal point if you have if you're the Bengals going into this desert road map again in Arizona yeah. I would use that exact same gameplay and Zach and to be perfectly honest those West Coast teams like the Raiders, the Cardinals, they, they share the same ugly-looking field with grass flying up everywhere. So it makes oh, yeah. perfect sense to go that route, honestly. I'm telling you, man. It's like you, the I, the game plan, what they were you know, talking about, you could literally see it in that day. It was like, we are going to run the ball until the dam breaks. And the dam yeah. broke later in the game. And what did the defense do? The defense bought out. They kept it close. I remember a certain part in that game when it was, I think it was 16 to six and the Raiders scored a touchdown of 16, 13. And what did we need that next drive? We needed a nice drive from Joe Burrow in the offense. And we got down the field and Joe Burrow made a play when he needed to make a play and threw that touchdown to Jamar Chase. And the defense got a pick. We ran a touchdown. Joe Mixon sealed the game. Trey Hendrickson got a sack, strip sack. Sam Hubbard recovered. You know, like, the Eli, thing, Eli Apple got a pick in that game too. He got the pick. Yes, Eli Apple had that pick that set up the Joe Mixon touchdown, and, and you know that basically sealed the game. The big thing with this is, is like you know, again, you're in the West Coast, you're playing, you know, a team that's going to run the football to set up the pass. I mean, why can't y'all do the same thing? You know what I'm saying? But why not do the same thing, but just do it better? You feel me? Like you know the. In the offensive line, you talk about Orlando Brown, you know. Orlando Brown has played pretty well for the first four games. I got to give him credit. for them. He's played pretty well for the most part. Um, you, you got him there. You paid him all that money. Man, right. run, run that ball to his side and let him lead block. Let let Kappa, let, let these glass eaters that you have in there be glass eaters in the run game and, you know, Take no prisoners, but take some souls and put them into the ground, mm-hmm. and let Joe Mixon right. run that run that damn ball. You feel me? Like, I, like the thing is, like, if the method is we gotta get him going and we gotta get him twenty five to thirty runs, and just break that damn. And Joe Joe Mixon would have, you know, if we run him that many times, he will eventually break off one or two big ones. You feel? He'll break off one or two big ones. 
the way he's been running, he's going to break off one or two big ones if they do that method. You know, obviously oh, yeah. we're not. Yeah, we're obviously not, you know, we're not coaches of like that, but we even see it, man. We even see it. That's the thing. And not to mention the next week against the Steelers, it was a Joe Mixon game as well. And he had like 160 yards and we, we kicked their ass. That but was, that was the, my favorite game of the year. That was favorite, favorite game of the year. Favorite game of the year for sure. And like, you know, just, just be, but, but the thing is like, you know, when in doubt, you know, ride Joe Mixon, man. Like, ride Joe Mixon, play great defense. Burrow's the insurance policy, and when we call for that insurance, Burrow, you better answer. Is all yeah. I gotta say. That's the big thing. And you know, obviously, be like, okay, play, play great defense, blah blah blah. The Cardinals' lowest rushing, you know, rushing numbers game. The lowest amount of yards they had in the game rushing this year was ninety six yards. They're gonna run the football well. They yeah. they are. But man, like I'm telling you, they that defensive line. They got to come out with fire. The linebackers got to be on their A game. And Mike Hilton, man, Mike Hilton, I'll tell you this. Like, I'm not going to say Mike Hilton's been terrible this year. The first two games, it wasn't great. I'm not going to say he's been terrible, but he is not making plays that he would normally make, and he is just, like, that close to making those plays. But he's just it, right. it's it's the difference of a, a four-yard loss in a, in a six-yard game. But it's just like, man, like, if you got to play old school smash mouth football to win this game out in the desert and get the two and three and have some hope and pride, then you, you got to do it, man. You have to do it. And I had one more thing. Um, I, actually, I won't add one more thing, but, you know, I kind of forgot because there's, you know, a lot of a lot of good talking points that we, you know, we've gone throughout this show. I, you know, the, the bottom line is this, man, just find a way to win. Just find a way to win Cincinnati. That's all we're asking for, man. You, you win this game. We're like, all right, you know, keep going. This is the only game that matters. This is the only game that matters right now is the one coming right. up at 405 on Fox. It, you know, that's the only game that matters at this point right now. I'm not worried about the Steelers and the Ravens this week. I'm not worried that the Browns have a bye week. I'm not worried about that if we lose this game, we probably going to get flexed out of Sunday Night Football, and that's not even the, the least of my concern. You win this game, man, you could have some momentum. That's what you're talking about with the Rams game. But, like, come on, you got to get this dub this Sunday. And it's just – it is frustrating as fans to just watch a team. We also mentioned this, you know, on, on the Roaring Reactions. Watching a team have this high of expectations and fall this short this early into the season – and, you know, that's why it's been such a big disappointment, man. But you write your own story. The Bengals write their own story. And if you're not going to – if you're going to write – if you're going to keep writing this story, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it is, is going up in the garbage. If you're going to, you know, flip the script and get, you know, get that feather – you know, that feathery pin out and just dip some little ink in it and then start writing in that, you know, real nice font, you know, maybe you could turn this thing around. But, you know, it's got to start with the coach. And then it's got to trickle down to the quarterback, and it's got to trickle down to everybody on that roster, and everybody's got to play on fire like they're going to play in the desert on Sunday. Definitely. I hope I'm definitely wrong about my feelings regarding this team and feeling like that this season feels like it's over at one and three. I really do hope that I'm wrong. I am mm -hmm. going to still be rooting for this team no matter what, obviously, because I'm a diehard Bengals fan. But you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, for me, the star players got to find a way to show up and show out and then just help this team get them out of this lull. I'm going to actually, listeners, if you've been listening to the show, and I, we really appreciate you for listening, you yes. have been hearing both myself and Chase kind of involve our deep catalog of memory banks that we have for the game of football. We're referencing games from two years ago. It can be games for 10 years ago. Deep bag. For me, I'm actually going to go back even further and go back to the 1995 Dallas Cowboys to bring up this reference. That 95 mm. Cowboys team won, won the Super Bowl. That was not really that great of a Cowboys team that ended up winning the Super Bowl, but they won that Super Bowl because of one major thing. They had a lot of chaos dysfunction. And, well, they're the Cowboys. They always have a lot of chaos dysfunction in the media. They're always a media circus. But that season more particular, it was just – it could be easily distractible, and they could have had a losing record. And the one player that got them out of their lull when they were going through the December from hell was Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin had over 1,600 yards. He was the heartbeat and soul. They still had Emmitt Smith. They still had uh, Troy Aikman. They still have – they also had prime time. He yeah. made the late the – in addition season trade uh, from the 49ers, locked in a contract battle there, and then ended up going, to, going from San Fran to Dallas. 
But Michael Irvin was the heart and soul of that 95 Cowboys team. And then they, they rolled that momentum into the playoffs and eventually into the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying the Bengals season is going to end the exact same storyline of, oh, they're going to ride that momentum of whatever spark comes about it and into the Super Bowl. But what I'm hope I'm wrong about is that I do hope they do turn this thing around because I do want to see a championship trophy here in Cincinnati. We're tired of talking about not having trophies. We're tired of the zero rings jokes on Twitter and social yep. media. We hear it all. We see it all. But like you just said, Chase, I'm not paying attention to none of that stuff regarding other teams and what they're doing and what they're not doing just to try to see if we can keep up the pace if we just get the no man this is just about us right now we're one and three the season looks like it's not promising and it's going in the toilet fast and it feels like that in any inevitable moment joe burrow can be hampered with an injury that can just shove him for the rest of the season and i don't want that i don't like that feeling something got to give and just like the 95 Cowboys and Michael Irvin being that spark to get them out of those lulls that they had that year, I'm kind of staring at actually Jamar Chase as mm -hmm. that, that centrical force to get us out of this lull, along with others. He's not the only person, but I just feel like that his his personality, his drive, the force that he is the, to reckon with on the field can really do it. I don't think it's T. Higgins. No offense to T. Higgins. I love him. He knows. I mean, I don't think he knows that person, but <laughs> I love T. Higgins. I love Tyler Boyd. And I love our guys that we have offensively. But right now, I just think that Jamar Chase is the it person to help get us out of this law. Joe Mixon is a guy that is rushing with passion. But I also feel like that they're just not trusting him enough to carry it because they still believe that their best ways to win is Joe Burrow, even when he's at 60%. And right now, that's just not the case. They just have to just make that mental adjustment for the time being just to get us through this. And I think when they come out of it, they will be fine. So as critical as I was of this team to begin this episode, I am trying to do a big-time flip of the switch to kind of talk positively and end us on a positive note because we yep. still know this team is talented. When they put it all yeah. together, they're the best. They're one of the best teams in the league, and they're one of the top three teams in the AFC alone. So they just got to put it all together. I do not think this, this team is in the same well bucket as the Arizona Cardinals, no matter how feisty this Cardinals team is playing. When this Bengals team is on fire, as you mentioned also earlier in the show, they are so hard to stop. But they have to show that they cannot be stopped in their mind up here. Then, so this Sunday, you go to Arizona, do what you can to just pull out a win, make it convincing if you can. But if you end up coming back home in a loss, you got to just start evaluating your next your next wave of options. I don't know what to go from here, you know. Yeah. But all expectations are all off the table as far as Super Bowl playoffs and all that stuff. Number one seed, that's all gone for me. I'm just here to watch this team. I want them to function and function well. And if they can't do that, then, you know, <laughs> we'll still be here. <laughs> we'll still be yeah, here trying we to will. talk We will. Know, but we'll, we will. But we're going to be real about them. Yeah, you got that right. But I tell you, man, it's just, you know, like it says in the title of the show, it's do or dive the rest of the 2023 season. And the big thing about that is, you go out there to Arizona, you get yourself a win. You could be seeing, you know, feeling real nice about where to go from here. And the thing is, it, you know, and, you know, Jamar Chase, I agree with you being that focal point. You know, Joe Mixon's got to get us through this, but you just hope that the other side, you know, being Burrow gets healthy or the fact that we start winning football games starting this Sunday, you know, you hope that other side is right there around the corner and you just weather that storm it's like you just driving through it you know you're driving through a storm trying to get back home and it's like man we almost there we almost there we can't stop on the side of the road we can't get struck by lightning we gotta just you know weather the storm run the football play great defense get win win get to the bye and then hopefully by the time you know, obviously, I don't want to keep speaking, you know, too far in advance. But by the time you get to that point where you've weathered the storm and you've got back home figuratively, you know, the games are all here. You know, <laughs> the great ones come out at night. So you got to go on ahead and just, you know, weather the storm. And then once you get through it, 
it's go time. It's go time now. It's go time now. Yeah. It's go time now. Right. Like we can't we can't sit back and take no breaks. We gotta weather this damn storm. And then once the storm is over, it's time to ball. It's time to mm-hmm. really unleash this shit. So there's yeah. no wait. There's no waiting. There's no waiting right now. Yeah. We have to get it done right now. Have to. But yeah, man. You know, fun show. Uh, you know, like I said, that's Justin Lacey over there. Any parting shots before we get on out of here, Justin? You know, thank like I'm just very happy to be on this show again with you, Chase. You know, we put our chef's hats on and we cook together. So, and yeah. we're gonna keep doing a little bit more of that down the road. So, I'm always happy to be. I'm I'm very happy that you had me on today, man. Like we we listened through this whole thing. We got to yeah. be able to have find some sort of entertainment, and I'm I'm yeah. hoping that Chase and I have been able to bring that for you for all the listeners out there. We absolutely appreciate you. Most definitely. We appreciate the listeners. Justin, I appreciate you. Like you said, we blitzed through this whole thing. The Bengals got to figure out how to stop the blitz, and maybe we'll win a game on Sunday. Like I said, that's Justin Lacey over there. I'm Chase Johnson. We'll see you guys next time.